For most Americans, November means Thanksgiving, a time that's supposed to be about mindfulness and reflection on all the good things in your life. But these days is more about stuffing yourself with obscene amounts of turkey and then passing out in front of the TV while watching football. But long before the founding of the United States, some of the first colonists didn't have much to be thankful for, including food. They called that season the starving time. I'm Tracy S. Morris, and I am not making this up. Settlers coming into this new colony weren't blind to the dangers they faced. There hadn't yet been a successful attempt at a colony in North America. You hear a lot about Roanoke, but there was also Popham Colony, Paris Island, Fort Caroline, Fort San Juan, Pensacola, and a lot more. The European attitude towards colonization seemed to be like a beginner's strategy towards playing darts. Hurl a ship full of people at the New World and hope. Hope that this time they wouldn't lose everything to disease, famine, hurricanes, and hostile locals. And the colonists coming in didn't really know the land. They didn't know that the locals they depended on to trade for food would turn hostile on them. That those natives had long memories, that they remembered the way the last group mistreated them. And the swamp that they chose to make their new settlement in, while safe from attack, wouldn't provide safe drinking water, or good hunting grounds, or good farmland. Not that anyone was used to the backbreaking manual labor it took to support a colony. Not that they could farm much in the middle of the worst drought in 700 years. But that swamp would bring in a bumper crop of mosquitoes and disease, all reasons why the local tribes weren't already living in that godforsaken strip of swamp. And there was no gold, certainly not enough to appease their backers in Europe who would send more mouths to feed, but no supplies to feed them with anyways. Nor could they stumble across the last of the Roanoke colonists. To the 500 colonists going into winter with no food, stuck behind the walls of their fort, it may have seemed like the end of the world. And when the grain and the game and the shellfish ran out and there was nothing left to forage, they killed their livestock and then their pets and then the vermin and then they boiled their shoe leather. People started to get sick. Things they could have shrugged off just even a few months prior suddenly killed them thanks to the fact that they were just so undernourished. At least one case, they resorted to eating their own dead. In 2013, archaeologists found the skull of a 14-year-old girl in an ancient trash pile. The skull showed markings consistent with marks on a butchered animal. She may have been murdered, but it's more likely she was already dead when her body was dug up and desecrated in the name of not starving to death. By the time relief came to Jamestown, the population of 500 had dwindled to 60, mostly sick and dying people. Two ships carrying a small number of supplies and yet even more colonists arrived in May 1610. Upon seeing the state of Jamestown, the new colonists load up the remains of the old colony and headed back to England, only to be stopped and turned back at the mouth of the James River by yet another supply ship. Among the new colonists was John Rolfe, who introduced new strains of tobacco. Tobacco literally turned the colony around. Suddenly Jamestown had something of worth they could trade to England in exchange for food. Supplies came on ships, which were eager to take cash crops back across the ocean. 
and Rolf saved the colony in other ways. His marriage to Pocahontas led to a short-lived treaty with the local tribes. The treaty gave the English breathing space to fortify their defenses and strengthen their foothold in Virginia. So perhaps we should be celebrating John Rolfe rather than John Smith as the hero of Jamestown. His innovations put food on many tables and it gave people a reason to say thanks. Thank you for listening to I Am Not Making This Up. We're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, pretty much all the other directories now, so subscribe. If you like what you hear, leave a review with your preferred podcast service. That's how other listeners find us. For more bizarre stories that I didn't make up and some that I did, you can go to my website, TracySMorris.com. I post something new every Monday. You can also subscribe to my newsletter and check out my short stories and novels there. Or why not purchase one of my many fine books, like Bride of Tranquility, which is a murder mystery set in a haunted hotel during a Renaissance wedding. It's available on Amazon through Yard Dog Press or Bain Books. And if you have an improbable history topic you'd like me to cover, please drop me an email at author at tracysmorris.com.